Hey everyone, Lauren here. Hope you're all doing well. I just wanted to say thank you for listening and supporting Nightcallers. As you know, I do my show live every other Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Because it's a live show, sometimes there are issues on the guest end or my end that cannot be controlled. So sometimes they have bad connection or their equipment malfunctions. It's just the nature of the beast. So with this particular interview, there were some audio issues. I appreciate your support. Stay safe, be kind, and enjoy the show. What's up and welcome to Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio. You are here with your hostess, Lauren Smith, and tonight we have Michael Freeman on, the son of Paul Freeman, and we are going to be discussing his upcoming book, as well as the life of a legacy Bigfoot researcher. Um, so I am really excited to jump jump in with him. Um, before I get started, I wanted to give a shout out to that hardworking Nightcaller's crew. If you could hit the thumbs up on whatever you're using to listen to the show and subscribe or follow as well, I would much appreciate it. Also, you guys check out my merch because I redid the color logo and relaunched it. So you guys go check that out. Go get your safety orange for the hunting season and it's squatching season, you guys, so y'all be safe out there, and I'm going to go ahead and get to the interview with Michael. You guys jump in the chat, ask questions, be sure to type your questions in all caps so that my moderators can get those questions to me. All right. How are you doing tonight, Michael? I'm doing good. How are you? Thanks for having me I'm on. good. No, thank you for coming on. So Michael is, it's actually not night where he is. It is 1.30 p.m. in Hawaii. Uh, that is correct. Uh, Kailua Kona, Hawaii. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, he was complaining. He said that it was a little warm where he was right now. Poor thing. <laughs> well, he's okay. was when I left Spokane last week to come here. Yeah. 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 I'm sure uh, he, you said you get out there about twice a year. That's amazing. Yeah, we, we try to about twice a year or Big Island, but, but uh, yeah. Either way, you can't complain. No, I think it's funny that you went to the one state that hasn't had a Bigfoot sighting out of all of them for vacation. <laughs> you know, and I, lo- I, I love the mountains, don't get me wrong, and, and I was raised in the mountains, but I am a, a beach ball. Like, there's no place else I'd rather be. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess you have the luxury to choose since you do live in the mountains. <laughs> so, um, okay, so I wanted to introduce you. So you're Michael Freeman. You are the son of Paul Freeman of the famous tracks and footage that he has captured, as well as a pretty healthy legacy of research. So that's something that I wanted to talk about tonight is that you are a legacy researcher like myself. You were raised up in the Bigfoot world. Um you know, dinner around dinner conversation for other kids is like, how was your homework? You know, how's baseball going? For us, it's more tracks, cast, evidence, uh, Bigfoot people, meeting strangers from across the world. Um, so that was kind of your upbringing, as I understand, right? Uh, it was to a point, yeah, exposed to the research until I was about 10 years old, uh, okay. which is the first time I got to you know, um, and spend time on site in the mountains with my dad. But the conversation, um, and, and there was people always around the house, famous people, John Green, Bob Titmus, uh, Peter Byrne, all those guys. I remember hanging out around those guys and then being at the house. And so it was, it was different, you know, and there was lots of conversation about evidence and tracks. Uh, 
my mother actually really kept that, that separate from the rest of our family life in the table conversation, you know, things like that. But um, yeah, I, I five. That's amazing. Um, I, I noticed that, you know, in your book, you have a lot of big name supporters in that book that, you know, did chapters for your book. So that's, I mean, that's amazing. I was uh, really lucky. Well, well, first of all, I'm really lucky to have some, some nice connections and to have some people uh, that are influential in the Bigfoot community that also some research and as evidence and, and uh, were more than happy to, you know, to help me out and a fantastic big chapter for the book. I actually personally think it's the best part of the entire book. Uh, but Grim wrote a fantastic chapter as well. And, you know, Doug Hightech is in there and Tom Respect from Portland, Oregon. Um, we have uh, Jonathan Summerlin, who's the Grand Prairie West Summerlin, who is someone that was always around as well when I was a child. You know, then uh, Dar Addington as well, who's, this is her first public appearance except for a cartoon that she drew for Vance Orchard for Bigfoot of the Blues. That's so amazing. Like, I love that you have all that support, um, that they are giving you support because of your dad's research as well. I think that's amazing. Um, so you grew up in this, um, pretty much. I grew up around the same time. I was about 10 or 11 whenever my mom had her sighting and I started getting into it um, or I was dragged into it, whichever. Um, so now my own children are in it and, you know, it's just, it's a generational thing for us. Um, so how, how did it impact you, your dad's sighting? How did that impact y'all's lives? Like, did it change going out hiking? Did it change how how seriously you took your safety out there? Never changed how seriously we took our safety. No, no. Um, and and it's still that doesn't impact when I go hiking or or if I go hunting anything like that. Um, that's never in the forefront. Um, I will say though, you know, what it really did at the time is it is it altered our life either because there was a lot of, of like criticism and there was a lot. Of of ridicule, the magnifying glass for a, a really, really long time, and not just with the the Forest Service, and but by the news media and, and you know his peers in the Bigfoot field as well. Um, it was stressful, you know, uh, and and the media coverage and whether he was famous or infamous, however you want to you know kind of, kind of look at that. And still today, I mean, I'm. 45 years old and there's still that that I'm under and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm still trying to do things and write, write a book and talk to people and give interviews and know, like I can't make any mistakes you know yeah um otherwise but um yeah life altering for not only my dad but everybody else in the family for sure right I I give a um I've given a presentation on uh, the psychology of Bigfoot before and how it changes people's lives. And people, you know, my psych classes that I've given this presentation and they don't, they're like, what do you mean Bigfoot changes your life? I'm like, people see this thing that is not supposed to exist and it changes their entire life. I mean, it's ended marriages. It's caused people to lose employment. It's changed their family dynamic. Um, you know, it's a, it's, 
pretty big deal that people don't really take seriously until it happens to them. Obviously, it altered the course of your life. Uh, yeah, it did. And it, it does. It changes people's lives. And I've never had only. Um, I've been close to one before, uh, but I've never seen one. But my society and my older brother has had a sighting. And yeah. two completely different reactions became obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. And it became something that just engulfed his entire life. Won't talk about it still. Uh, and, and so it's two completely different things. Maybe I'm lucky I didn't have a sighting because I don't like the, either one of you know. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, it, it altered my dad's life uh, drastically. In employment, uh, uh, we moved, you know. Uh, financial loss first, uh, probably four or five times. Um, you know, it, it was a rough 15 years. I think I read somewhere that um, your dad, bless his soul, by the way, I'm sorry for your loss, um, that your dad sunk about $50,000 into Bigfoot research, he said. Um, at the time of that article, he said that he had recouped, I think, 2000 bucks at the at that time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I can tell tell you I'm not quite sure how much money was uh, in 1982 when my grandma Margaret died that would be my, my mom's mom home to my mm -hmm. mother and it was sold to support Bigfoot research and uh, the most money my dad ever made at one time for instance, the drivers ice cream commercial he did in 1987 it was a national commercial dollars is what he made for that uh, and that's the yeah. most money he ever made the most money he ever yeah. got I believe Doug Highcheck paid him $1,200 to mm -hmm. license that at one point in time he, he highly doubtful that he ever even grows 10,000 um, in 15 years in his entire life I, I, I don't have the, the numbers for you but he easily, yeah. easily sunk 50,000 into it easily Right. And the money is just the beginning. A lot yeah. more that was that was put into there. Yeah. Right. The time, the effort, the blood, sweat and tears, the uh his reputation, you know. Yeah, and you know, nobody spent more time than like four days a week for fifteen years straight, sometimes two weeks at a time camping. You can do the math on the on the numbers on it. You know, but uh it was a tremendous amount of time that he spent time that he wasn't at home being a husband or, or being a father and he was away from home you know there were times when he was gone a week or two weeks at a time and this was before cell phones uh, yeah. communication with him she didn't even know if he was alive still <laughs> you know those those types of situations missing 411 <laughs> <laughs> close right yeah what you uh when he would leave to go if he was staying more than just a day instructions with, with my mom on what to do if he didn't come home like where to look for him he what to do if, if they found him dead what to do if they didn't find him at all uh he would leave oh my goodness that's that's serious you know that's that's terrifying that's before we had garmin in reach and all those things that can track our locations and breadcrumbs that's that's terrifying, honestly. <laughs> like I, I, that she lived like that. Uh, she did her. live like 
like that. And he, around that time, and he was starting to carry his camera everywhere he went with him. He was taking pictures and he was always filming and he was trying to document everything. And one of the instructions is if they find my dead body, the first thing I want you to look for is my camera. I will film it until it gets a hold of me and I have to stop filming. Yeah, I always tell people if you find my body, check my hands because I'm taking DNA with me. All right, there check you my go, hands. Right? Yeah, it's kind of the <laughs> same thing, exactly. Yeah. Um, so your dad told you about his sightings. Um, he shared his research with you. Did he make a believer out of you? You know, it's really hard to say. I just I kind of grew up with really a question in my home of whether or not this thing ever existed was there and it was part of life just like you know it's part of the mountains it's just part of nature it, it, and I never even questioned it until I was probably like 14 or 15 years old and I started like having you know these these questions about why I've never seen one and I've seen what is this you know and, and I always uh, tell people the the one thing my dad did like the first time proud of anything he did big foot wise was when he got the deduct footage and I, I won't say an embarrassment but it was difficult to live with and just yeah everybody just thinks that you know your, your dad is this or that and you kind of live, live with it that way but um I actually just kind of grew up without questioning because it it wasn't, and then when I got older, I started to question, and then I started to do more research, and still every single day about Bigfoot or about evidence, um, and I mean because I haven't had a sighting, mm -hmm. and it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much I believe my father or anybody else, or how much I think everything is legit. Itself, there's always going to be that little tiny small fraction that just doesn't know right i 1000 percent understand what you're saying right now i was raised in this from a preteen, you know 10 11 years old and um my my mom has had all these sightings and and i believe her you know i believe her integrity and but you know most people it's normal to have a crisis of faith i have a crisis of bigfoot existence you know i i'm in a crisis right now where i'm just like i've never seen it i've seen supportive evidence but how could i have done this all these years and not had a sighting and so i'm currently in that i i told my mom recently i said i i've got to i've got to prove it to myself i've i've got to have a sighting to prove it to myself to make me a knower because right now I want to believe, but it never occurred to me to not believe until around 15 as well. Whenever it was just like, wait, hold on, you know, just there's a, I've, I've been raised to believe in this thing, but hold on, I haven't seen it. And I hear all these stories from all these strangers that we meet. And that's amazing that they all have these stories, but I've never seen it. So I'm right there with you. Um, the research, I get out and research all the time. I listen to the experiences, the witness experiences, and I believe them. And I believe in the evidence and the data, but until I see it, you know, it's, it's 
it's not there yet. It's not, I'm not a knower. Um, so do you believe that Bigfoot's real or you just waiting to, waiting to see it for yourself? No, I believe that, that Bigfoot is real. Uh, you know, 100% believer that it is real or 99, you know, however close you can get uh, to doing that. And, and it's not just because of my dad, but it's just because of all, all the footprint evidence and, you know, the anatomical biomechanics that we get from the people like Dr. Jeff Meldrum and Grover Krantz and these, these people that are devoted their entire lives to the study of anatomy and they're giving me facts and they're presenting to look at and i have my father's word to go on it and i I have his footage and and they know what kind of man that he was and i 100 percent believe him Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, but i've never seen one you know and exactly what you were just saying i feel like i can be a 100 percent believer but never act see one you know and i probably never will but th- there's always going to be that that left. yeah there, there's no doubt in, in my mind of their, their existence although i will can't watch the patterson film to this day without looking for something in there that, that shows me that it's not not real because right. you know I, I i think i am and i do look it when i do look at evidence even my father's evidence, like I, I am skeptical at first, scientific facts mm-hmm. of the evidence that I have at hand. Right. Um, so we did have a question from the chat. Um, Squatchy Nights Audio, she wanted to know, where was your dad's footage filmed? Uh, uh, the footage was filmed at Deduct in 1992. It was actually filmed at Walden pond okay okay but the locals just call it deduct spring yeah okay all right um (laughs) she has a lot of questions hold on she's blowing me up okay um she said how did your dad present his find The, the footage um how did he share that did he just did he have friends and colleagues that he shared it with at first or and then it just of course blew up from there shared with me and a group of my friends first because we were the ones that were home when he when he got home that day watch it before anybody else did uh he went directly from there to west summerland's house and shared it with west summerland and, and jonathan summerland was there um as well at that time uh, after the local news media after that and then it was on the news within a couple of papers uh, and then of course it went to national news and then hard copy got a hold of it and it was yeah all right um squatchy nights the um the uh the name of the place is also listed in the chat if you wanted to see that again um what so your dad had had a sighting and i believe in uh, 1984 and then he got the footage in 94 or 92. um did that validate it for him again did he need that revalidation or did he did it change the game for him 
Uh, well, first of all, 82. 1982. Um, um, and then, yeah, it was 10 years later when he got the a brief moment of validation, to be honest with you. You have that moment of he was super excited. Uh, he wanted, you know, to share it with the world. Um, and, and because then the skeptics come and the critics come. And the first thing that anybody says, it can't be real because Bigfoot doesn't exist. And so it's fake. Uh, uh, and then that moment of gone, you know, and uh, I think there was probably a week or two where he was, he had really got something that was going to be fantastic before all the critics and skeptics just down into the same hole. Uh, and then he was, you know, back out there. But I, I the footage, he was, he wanted to kill one. And in the mid to really hunting, to put a body on a table to present that to science. He no longer, around that time period, wanted to kill one anymore. Uh, um, the one after he'd gotten the footage and wasn't interested in getting more footage or taking more words. I think it validated it for himself and it validated it for his family and him, but it was never accepted by you know, the scientific. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Um, you know, I think it's really hard. You know, we see all these people that put the evidence out there. Or I do. I see all these people, they put um, pictures out there or, you know, tracks that have been casted, just audio, different stuff. And then they get torn to shreds by all the skeptics and critics. And, you know, I always think, how brave they are putting their find out there and then getting torn to shreds. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's hard it, to put stuff out there in the Bigfoot community. Well, and they just don't get critics. They get torn to shreds by their own peers mm -hmm. that are in the Bigfoot community or by, for some reason, that's what happens in this field, like this cryptid field, a lot of jealousy and a lot of infighting. And nobody wants anybody else to find it or they they don't believe it, you know. And, uh, you know, I guess if you don't have any success, the easiest way to keep your name in the headlines is to become a skeptic of your own peer by Eric Beckjord, by the way. Um, and, and it's very, very true. And he was talking about one whose name I will not mention. But uh, uh, if you look at the time period, you could probably see. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I see every day on, on websites, forums, blogs, whatever, people posting pictures, you, you know, hey, this is my 20th picture of Bigfoot, right? And there's nothing there. But I don't say anything about it. I just let it go. If that's what they want to believe and that's what makes them happy, then that's fine. Okay, we, we, we all know that there's not a Bigfoot. I don't think there's any reason to jump on everyone and just tear them apart and believe in something. We all know the real evidence from the evidence that's not real. Okay. But that being said, the pe people that tend to do that, they're not help actual evidence that's being submitted. It's just like every time somebody goes and hoaxes, everybody else back like a hundred steps again because we have to overcome that to everybody. So, so 
please stop doing that. And not every, every picture in it, you know, but I guess that's none of my business. So. Well, I'm right there with you. I am super anti-hoaxer and I, I told my mom actually before I started the show, I was like, I'm going to keep all hoaxer in the chat. Anyone brings up hoaxer, they get booted immediately because my blood pressure can't take it. So um, just know that we have special security for this show. Um, but it's just, it, it is very frustrating. If you, <laughs> if you knew how much of this I put up with, it, it doesn't even, and the one thing I did learn from my dad uh, that he was very good at actually his critics with no animosity whatsoever. Um, and I'm really trying to do, do that, navigate through, through this Bigfoot world without right. saying anything negative about anybody yes. and yeah. trying to, to get along. And, and, and I just wish everyone would work together as a okay. concentrated effort. I think that would get us a lot farther. I agree 100%. Um, I think if everyone was kind, um, that would help a lot. My my motto for Nightcallers is be kind or kindly shut up. Um, because if you don't have anything nice to say, just, just shut up. Because you're not helping anything. You are hurting the whole process. Hoaxers set us back. People that support hoaxers also set us back. There's no integrity in the field if you guys support something you know not to be true. The person can be sweet as pie. But if they're hoaxing they are invalidating all of our research and the time and money that we spend away from our families out in the field validating the subject um but but definitely you know if people would work together that would be better i'm very proud of you for choosing to take the high road um that's something that my mom and i have always tried to do in this community over the last 20 years i'm very proud of you because if somebody came after my mom's character or my mom's evidence I'm not sure that I could be as kind as you are right now. Yeah, I mean, I had to learn to live with it. And there were some bumps along as I'm going on, on how to navigate and deal with this, you know. And part of the frustration as well, and some of them are part of certain groups that they want to, like, attack. And they want to attack my character for some reason now uh, because I support my keep legacy going and then you look into the background of some of these people and but some of these people are like people that have been caught hoaxing themselves and then they want to, to go ahead and throw shade and pile it on on somebody else i mean it, it seems like every time i might do one of these interviews or when i announced that i was going to write a book the whole posse just came after me you know you know and and I guess if that's what they want to do and they want to, so they can go to their little group and blog about it, they can waste their time. Go ahead if, if that's the life that you have. But, you know, if, if you're not a believer in Bigfoot, and don't waste your life, like, telling everybody else that everything is fake and find something else to do, please. Yeah, uh, to me, if if um, a lot of the talking heads in the Bigfoot community, if they put as much time and effort into research, actually researching as they did talking bad about people and tearing other researchers down, we would have probably solved this mystery because a lot of them have real talent. Um, they have some good talent that a video analysis that would, you know, help to validate videos or whatever, but they're using it to tear down, like, for instance, the Patterson-Gimlin footage. 
there's one person that literally his entire popularity is based on tearing that footage down. And I'm like, there's about 75,000 other fake videos out there that you can go after. <laughs> right? Have yeah. at it. Uh, move on. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But yeah. this has been going on since the 70s, the 80s. I mean, researchers have been in disagreement for a long time. And there have been prominent researchers that um, have, you know, not researchers that might offer them, you know, competition and how to, how to word that. But um, yeah. Yeah. So egos, egos ego. and, yeah, there you, and jealousy. You know, you know, <laughs> and something I do say in the book, you know, in, in the book at the very beginning is that this is not a jealousy contest. Yeah. Period. Like I, and, you know, to be that way, and but unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, I, it sucks. It has to be said. Um, it sucks. It's 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 a lot like junior high a lot of the time, um, and it's sad that it it's been repeating for so long. Um, I talked to a guy at um at the Alabama campout I went to recently. And he said that he had been in the same group with like, it was the original Patterson Gimlin club or something. And he was part of this group and he got to hang out with all the greats. And I was like, well, um, you know, why did you leave? And he was like, Oh, just all the, all the BS. And I'm like, Oh my God, we have not advanced at all. It's ridiculous. It's human nature. It is. Um, okay. So back yeah, to your human. book. Oh, Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, um, so tell me about your book. Uh, you know, my father uh, was gonna write a book, and it was one of life, and he had decided around 1988 that he was gonna write a book. And uh, audio recordings on videotape, or, or not videotape, but and we have about seven or eight hours worth of audio that he, and nobody had ever heard these. Um, I'm actually the first person that ever played it sitting in a box and, and they came into my possession sometime after his death. Uh, very, very vocal about, he was gonna write a book. He wanted to make some type of, you know, and then his health went downhill and he, and he passed away. And so, you know, I, Twenty years after his death, it's a little late, and that's one of the criticisms I get. Being is, why did you wait so? Criticize everything, right? Okay, so people are criticizing me for waiting twenty years, but I decided because uh, he never got a chance to, and it's like the one last thing that I can do for my. It's also the one thing that he can do for my three sons that never before they were born, um, and they can have something that they can hold on to you know and uh see pictures and 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 know that kind of stuff but um you know that's the reason it was done preserve his legacy and i want to push it out there and i also also kind of want to at least some of the rumors to rest and if not if not, not put him to rest look everybody writing it and say you know what i don't care i'm going to publish a book and if you don't like it that's too bad but you know my dad is uh you know one of the 
the pioneer researchers. There's a, like a Mount Rushmore for Bigfoot researchers. He would at least be deserving of one that that's on there. Um, and some of his footprint evidence that he found is some of the best ever been presented. You know, especially when you look at the dermals from '82. Uh, but you know, down to it, I really just wanted to do his book for him, which I've included these audio tapes uh, uh, that he recorded, you know, in the book, and you're going to be able to listen to them. Now, I didn't include all eight hours because, yeah, we just, no one wants to listen to him talk about a horse in a trailer for 45 minutes because that's some of this. Uh, but there's 39, 40 audio clips, and, and it's about, you know, worth of him telling his own story, and it's absolutely fantastic. It's going to be the best part for the book talk. I think that's amazing. I think, you know, he's, I hate that he didn't get to write it, but I think it's amazing that you are, and you're bringing a whole new spin to it. You're validating his, his, <laughs> you're validating his research. You're sharing his research, which is what, you know, you're all about sharing that research cohesive. Um, but also that you've gotten those big names to support it as well. You know, that's, all the work that he put in for so long, I mean, this is kind of the fruits of his labor. Yeah. The best thing about all those big names is I didn't have to ask anyone twice. They were ready to go before, you know, we even had a real idea of what kind of to do, you know? Um, and it's something I actually, I kind of kicked around in 2007 writing a book, uh, but it was going to be more, I guess, about me, me and my dad was going to kind of be the it like to grow up in this type of situation. Um, and, and it kind of, you know, forgot about and then it, it kind of came up, up again recently and talked to, uh, to Cliff Berrickman and I talked to Doug Hycheck and you know, the best way to do this would be like an evidence file, hence the name, name Freeman Big foot five and present his evidence and let's let's show all the pictures let's show the tracks location of where we found these like what time of year was it what was the date you know where's this location show the cast let's show all the video you know and the footage let's show my map and find detail um and tell you what everything is on there and where are the that kind of stuff and and i just want to share his research so everybody can see it. I want some, someone to prove this. And be me, and it wasn't my dad. And if somebody proves this, and there's an, or we get a chunk of the body, or we get sufficient DNA to prove this, then my dad's gonna win. I mean, that's, that's what I want. And so if me sharing evidence and location data, you know, move data from his math and all this stuff if that helps someone in that area evidence or, or possibly even find actual proof then, then please use go do, do it you know shake my hand later if it helps so i think that's amazing um my mom has listed in the chat that she said maybe i'll write about her one day but no one would believe it 
because I tend to hype her up quite a bit because she should be hyped up. Um, veterans like my mom, like your dad, they have put in the time, the effort, and the research all these years, um, and they've built the framework for us to, you know, keep going on, and even for my my kids to keep going on, and my grandbabies to keep going on. Um, hopefully, by the time my kids are old enough to get out more, get they already get out in the field, but get out in the field on their own hopefully we'll be have we'll have proven it but we'll be in the conservation stage where you know where we still have to find dat find and collect data and and conserve the species you know that's what i'm hoping right well happen eventually and i, I really i don't want someone to hunt more. i mean honestly i think best case scenario is some logging truck coming over a path and and, you know, we're able to get a body or, or you know, and what did Krantz say? Cut off its head, its hand, and its foot, you know? And uh, I think that's probably about best case scenario right there. Um, I don't want to see one live. And um, I think that would be a bad deal. But, um, you know, eventually we're going to be there. Hopefully. Um, I know I go to the zoo with my kids and, you know, I go to the, um, the primate exhibits and they just break my heart. Like I, I can't even go to them normally. They just, they're soulful and they're so much like us and it's just, it's very hard. So I don't think I could stand to see a Sasquatch in a cage. I think that would just tear me apart. But, um, I do worry about, you know, um, if I do find, let's say I run across a body like you said, I'm going to take some pieces and then not tell anybody, you know, just like have certain labs that I trust or certain people that I trust, like take this, go right. send it off, <laughs> test it. Cause I don't think we're allowed. I, I really don't think the government is going to allow us to be like, Hey, look there, here it is. It's this my own theory. I think you froze on me, Michael. He did freeze. Okay. Hold on guys. So Michael is in Hawaii on vacation, and the uh, he said the nothing in Hawaii works, including the Wi-Fi. So, <laughs> um, so you guys just be patient with us uh, while I get him back. So you guys can find his book, The Freeman Files, at HangerOnePublishing.com. It is available for pre-order at this time. Um, I went and, of course, I couldn't read it, so I skimmed a couple of the chapter headings and. You guys, it's it's phenomenal. Um, Doug Highcheck, yeah, Doug Highcheck would be one that I would call if I found a body. Um, Doug Highcheck, Jeff Meldrum, it's got some phenomenal names in it, giving support to Michael's evidence, um, all of that. So you guys definitely go pre-order it and add it to your collection. Uh, hopefully you get some good tips out of there. Hopefully if you, you know, have any certain feels about the Freeman footage, at least read his side of the story through Michael um, and see what he has to say. So, um, Red Dirt, there he is. Red Dirt, uh, there we go. I'm hey, welcome back. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm on my laptop now. For some reason, my phone shut down. Oh my gosh, it probably got hot. It's overheated and I can't yeah. use it. It's okay. Um, so I shouted out your book uh, through oh, all of that, you. told everyone where to find it and to buy it. If they have any certain feels about Freeman footage to at least read 
um, Paul's side of the story through you. So they can well, yeah, go do they, that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and the book's yeah. also going to have, you know, new enhancements of the Freeman footage uh, mm-hmm. that no one's ever seen before. And a lot of people are mm-hmm. super excited um, over that. Uh, so that's going to be, you know, another reason to go ahead and pick that up. And I think that we're finally going to be able to prove that there's a baby in this footage. That's awesome. That's amazing. So you guys, you heard it here first. Go check that out. Um, I told you guys where it's also on the screen. It's also in the description. You guys can pre-order the book right now and have your own copy as soon as it's released. Yeah. And it's cheaper now too, because the price is going to go up once it comes out. So get it at the pre-order price discount (laughs) or don't, and then buy it more expensive later and I'll make more money. Yeah. You know, just, I mean, I'm here for it. No one's getting, no one's going to get rich off a book about Bigfoot. So it's a good thing I didn't do it for the money. Yeah. No one's going to get rich off of Bigfoot. (laughs) That is just not a thing. That is just not a thing. A lot of people are like, oh, they did that for the notoriety. And I'm like, uh yeah (laughs) and you know they said that about my dad for years and you brought that up earlier about Mm -hmm. uh you know him thinking fifty thousand dollars into it and they said that about my dad for a long time yeah um and it just makes me laugh because i mean oh god if they even knew what it was like you know and i mean we weren't dirt poor and we weren't taken care of you know but it was my mom and my dad that suffered and they're the ones that that went without as all this money got you know shoved into Bigfoot research and then what was got, you know, shoved into us and the kids. And yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a joke to think that he was doing this for, for any money. Oh yeah. Yeah. None of us do it for the money. If you do, you're, you're not telling the truth. Um, and yeah, the Freeman real, we know. <laughs> you're breaking up again on me, Mike. It's the laptop. The laptop's overheating now. Um, all right, guys. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap this up. I want to thank Michael for coming on tonight and for sharing the details behind growing up as a Bigfoot legacy, growing up under Paul Freeman and his years and years of dedication and research. You guys heard it from him um, about how much is sacrificed whenever you have a Bigfoot researcher as a parent, much less a Bigfoot researcher who captured footage or you know, was well known. Um, so you guys just be sure to support him again. You can find his book at hanger one publishing.com and, um, yes, Patrick Bigfoot research is a deficit. Um, you guys can find his book at hanger one publishing.com. You guys can support him in that way. Pre-order his book now or wait until it goes on sale. Um, and also check his Facebook to see if he's going to be doing any events or bookings. So if you guys have any questions, feel free to drop a comment below. And also, uh, I just want to remind you guys to stay safe, be kind, and I will see y'all next time.